0: Hey guys, this week um, we're going to be talking about Matthew 14 and 15 um, and then the adjacent chapters in the book of Mark and John. Um, So there's four main things to cover, I think, in uh, these chapters. Uh, The first one um, is Herod um, has John the Baptist killed. Um, The second thing is the loaves and the fishes stories. Um, We have the faith of Peter being questioned while Jesus walks on the water. And then we have um, the healing of the woman from can- Canaan's daughter. So uh, we'll go over those four things uh, as quickly and as efficiently as we can. And hopefully it gives you some ideas as you prepare your lessons. Um, and honestly, we don't have any lessons come until um, May 5th, I think, is our next Sunday school class that we teach with State Conference and General Conference. Uh, But maybe this will help you in your studies and help you stay on track for when your lesson comes and it's time to teach. Um, You'll be ready to go. So let's jump into it. Um, So in Matthew uh, chapter 14, it starts off with um, John being beheaded. Uh, It's kind of gruesome. It says he's delivered on a charger, so almost like a like a plate with a covering on it, like you would see in the movies. Uh, Pretty graphic, but um, the question here I think that we would all have reading this is, why was John the Baptist in prison? Uh, We read earlier, and it's explained a little bit further here in this chapter, um, that John the Baptist was gaining popularity uh, just before the um, commencement of Christ's ministry. Um, Herod was the Tetrarch who... Was the essentially the the ruler over the land, and we've talked about Herod in the past, but he was kind of a a pseudo Jew. He was more more Gentile than Jew. He was raised Jewish, but he had kind of defected to um, become a Roman, a Roman ruler, and um, we can call him less active. And um, he kind of followed the. Um the glory he wanted to see what would come from you know political power, and those were the things that um interest him so with with that in mind, you can kind of um see the the type of personality he had. he actually really liked John in the early stages of John's ministry and would listen to john and um and really respected him and thought he was great but meanwhile, Herod was having an affair with his sister-in-law um so his brother um his brother philip's wife herodias um and herod herod and herodias were having an affair john said that's not good you shouldn't be doing that um herod didn't really pay much attention to it but herodias didn't like that idea um convinced herod to throw john in prison um at one point Herod promised Herodias whatever she wanted, um, and the thing that she wanted was for John to be beheaded uh, because of the things he was teaching. So Herod complied and had John beheaded. So that's where we how we got to where we are. Um, We do know though that John did appear to John the Baptist did appear to Joseph Smith. in a full resurrected form. Uh, That's just an interesting side note. So keep that in mind as you're kind of going through this. The next thing we're going to talk about is the loaves and the fishes. Um, So I'm probably going to have a weird take on this. Uh, You could fast forward the next few minutes if, if you want. I completely understand. But what we have here is we have Jesus Christ performing a miracle. And from what we... Uh, perceive happened is different from any other miracle that he performs during his earthly ministry during his pre mortal ministry and post mortal ministry uh, than we've ever seen before so what well I believe that you know ninety nine point nine percent of us believe happened is there was a ton of people and they only had a few fishes and a few. Loaves of bread and they fed five thousand and then they fed four thousand and so um, what what we I guess perceive happened is that Jesus Christ created bread and fishes to feed everybody that weren't there before and I'm not going to limit the savior of the world by any means to say that that's not possible or that he didn't do that, uh, but what I do want to point out is that that is a different scenario than any of his other miracles. The very first miracle we read about during his earthly ministry is Christ changing the water into wine. Um, before he was born and came into this earth, he created those the earth and everything in it, and he took matter unorganized and he organized it. to to make that creation he healed the sick by you know commanding elements to go to their rightful places he raised the dead by calling the spirit back into the body um all of his miracles were done out of obedience of elements changing or combining in one way or another their molecular structure to achieve uh, what we perceive to be a miracle Um, what we have here is fish and bread appearing out of thin air. Um, just, he didn't, so we read in Doctrine and Covenants, the element cannot be created, right? It's eternal. So even, you know, on earth, we, we got to think of we can't really destroy or create anything. We can change things. Just think about the water cycle, Right. We can water our lawns and we say we destroyed the water. Well, you didn't destroy the water. The water went into the soil, into the plants. It all gets, it's just a continuous life cycle, right? It evaporates into the sky, comes back down as rain. Um, we can mix it with Kool-Aid. It goes into our bodies, eventually gets into the irrigation system, eventually it evaporates. It never really goes anywhere. It's just a cycle, right? The same thing with all elements. We can burn firewood and say we destroyed it, but really we just turned into little tiny particulates that floated into the air and then decompose and um, go into our soil. And it's just the same thing with a life cycle, but the same thing happens during all of the miracles of Jesus Christ, right? He doesn't create any element. Element is eternal. He organizes elements or reorganizes them or corrects them um, to achieve the desired result. Well, this one's different, right? It It was From what we kind of understand is he just snapped his finger like I dream of Genie, and bread and fish appeared enough to to feed everybody. Now, again, I'm not saying that that definitely is not what happened, but I do want to present an alternative theory for you. And just, if anything, it'll get you thinking about it. And if it gets you thinking, then I think that we've served our purpose here. So it happens twice. Um, The first time there are 5,000 people and they have 5 loaves of bread and they collect 12 baskets full of bread afterwards and the second time there's 4,000 people, they have 7 loaves of bread and they collect 7 loaves or they collect 7 baskets after. kind of a fun activity for me, at least probably. I'm kind of a nerd. But um, if you go back to high school algebra, right? What we have is a substitution formula. We have two variables that we can look at, and we have two equations. Uh, So the variables I looked at is I wanted to know how much did the people eat? How much did these 5,000 people eat? And how much did Christ multiply the bread? Um, So So the first equation we have is 5, that I put together is 5. So we started out with 5 loaves of bread. That's multiplied by some unit. So 5m is how much bread we started with. And then we passed it around to 5,000 people. And they ate x number of bread and x units of bread. And we ended up with 12 baskets of bread. So our first equation I have is 5m minus 5,000x equals 12. Now x should be the variable that describes how much food each person ate on average. And the second formula is the same. We have seven m's or seven loaves of bread multiplied by m miracle units minus 4,000x is the variable of how much people ate Equals 7 that we're remaining after. When you do that substitution formula. And I'll spare you the the long drawn out math. But when you do the substitution formula. X equals negative .0003. So according to the substitution formula. Each person in the group ate negative amounts of bread. Um, which is interesting because you can't eat negative amounts of bread but what I do want to point out is what we maybe don't understand um in our day and age is that during this time there was no refrigerators there was no indoor plumbing there was no um pantries it wasn't set up like we have it today where we go into the kitchen find some food that's been there for a week or two we go to the grocery store a couple times a month And stock everything up. Every morning these people would go to the market. And they would get their bread for the day. And their fish for a meal or whatever. And they would carry kind of a knapsack on their belt. That would hold their food for the day. And as they got hungry they would eat from that knapsack. Well it was still customary that when there was a gathering of people. That the host should provide a meal but the Savior and His Apostles didn't have a meal, um, so they took what they had and they passed it around. And the teachings that the Lord taught during this time when all this bread and fish were getting passed around aren't really described to us. But what I want to suggest and is possible, and I might be way, way, way out in love field. Again, this is doctrine according to Brandon, but is it possible that the miracle... Was that the hearts of these 5,000 and 4,000 and 9,000 total people were changed from one of being selfish and um, looking for handouts and looking for, you know, a sign or a miracle to one of being consecrated and one of sacrifice and one of love for your neighbor. um, Which are kind of the main themes of everything Christ has taught up to this point. So... Is it possible that as these baskets got passed around, instead of taking bread and taking fish, the miracle really was that each of these people gave of their sustenance. They gave their bread, they gave their fishes. And when the baskets got back to the apostles, there was even more there than before. There's a scripture in chapter 16 that kind of helps me understand this a little bit. Is this happens for a third time? Essentially, they get um, in a situation where oh, we didn't, we forgot the bread, and Christ kind of turns to his apostles and he says, "Do you not remember? Essentially, what had happened? Do you not remember what well, what I taught? Do you not remember the miracle that happened before that all these people's hearts were changed? That is about sacrifice and consecration. If these people are truly our followers, then we don't need bread. We don't need physical um, sustenance to bring and to give." It'll all be one in common um, if if they truly understand the gospel, and he even tells them don't get trapped into the doctrine of the Sadducees and the Pharisees. That's not the that's not the way we live, and that's not the way we do things. So I just wanted to point that out. I might be way off on that, so don't teach that to your classes. Just take it with a grain of salt and and uh, just. Hopefully it gets you thinking a little bit about these miracles that Christ performed. Um, The next thing that we're going to talk about is Jesus Christ walks on water. So um, another element changing scenario, right? He changes the liquid to a solid um, or in in some form or fashion, changes the buoyancy of the water or um, does something that causes himself to be able to walk on the water out to Peter and... But the apostles see him and they get scared and he says to them, Be of good cheer, his eye, be not afraid. And that right there, I mean, how comforting is that? Um just we can relate that to so many situations in our lives where we're worried, we're scared, we don't know what's gonna happen next in our life. We don't we don't know what's coming next, or we can't see clearly, uh, which is the the situation that these apostles were in on the waters, not being able to see clearly that this was Christ. Um, there's so many parallels there that you can draw to your class uh, that, you know, not being able to see clearly the hand of God or not being able to see clearly into the future or not being able to see clearly, they couldn't see clearly that this was Christ. And the answer came from Christ saying, be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Uh, I think there's so many times that if we could hear that audibly in our life, it would change our perspective on Everything. And Peter, Peter answered and said unto him, Lord, if it, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And, I mean, we're Peter, right? We, I love Peter so much. I I mean, he's so overzealous about the gospel. He's so all in that he, this is not the first time and only time that he jumps out of a boat to try to get to Christ. Um, he just jumps in the water because the boat isn't fast enough for him to, to be able to get there, but so much faith. And then we, we start to look around and see the, the scoffing of the world or we see um, things that, um, that aren't politically correct or we there's so many you know different factors that weigh into our lives and all of a sudden we start to question we start to, to to don't have as much zeal and faith as we had in the gospel originally as soon as we saw a miracle or as soon as we had a faith-promoting experience and then we start to fall into the water and we start to sink and just the the mercy and the love of our savior that verse 31 where it says and immediately jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto them, O oh, thou little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? I mean I hope that <sighs> I know there's so many times that Christ has had to stretch forth his hand to me in my life and catch me and pull me up and say, O oh, thou little faith, where did thou doubt? And I mean that's that, that's such a, a strong and emotional to me par- parallel to that we can draw in our own lives and you can draw to those people in your classes. Um, the last thing I want to talk about is the healing in verse or in chapter 15, um, Christ, um, com- it says, uh, a woman comes to Christ and essentially says that her daughter is sick. And now one thing, the, the, really the, the only thing we know about the woman from, um, Matthew is that she was um, from Canaan, right, where Christ performed his first miracle. and But then we read in Mark, he explicitly tells us that this is not a Jew, it's a Gentile. So we talked about in Sunday school a few weeks ago, uh, the centurion, right? Also a Gentile, not a Jew. And the centurion had to do some talking and convincing to get Christ to help him but after he showed such strong faith, Christ did help him. Um, and we see another almost exactly same situation here. So we have a person that's not a Jew coming asking Christ for a miracle to heal one of their loved ones. Uh, same story, kind of on repeat here. And he answered her and he said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So saying essentially, hey, my ministry here is for for the those that have wandered off the straight and narrow path Uh, that are are members of the church. And then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. Now, to us, that probably sounds super rude and super um, insensitive to call this lady a dog. But actually, in the Greek, there's a few different words for dogs. Uh, This is, I mean, I, I think it makes it a little better, but this word wouldn't be ever used to, Connote a stray dog or a negative have a negative implication the word used um, in verse 26 is more like the family pet the um it's kind of part of the family the the domesticated one that sits at the table for dinner sits right at the feet of the owners Um, but clearly she didn't take offense to it she said truth lord yet dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table Uh, so in humility and faith she answered the lord and said I, if i could just have the crumbs that fall from the table then jesus answered and said unto her o woman great is thy faith be done to thee even as thou wilt and her daughter was made whole from that very hour so we see christ now for the second time his ministry and miracles reaching beyond the house of israel unto the gentiles and after his resurrection we'll see that um, that ministry does go into the Gentiles and to the rest of the world as a whole. Um, but some really awesome, uplifting, faith-promoting stories here in these two chapters and a lot of parallels that we can draw into our own lives. Tons of parallels, I think, from these two chapters that, that really can can really bring the Spirit. Because when people can really relate to something in their own life um, and substitute themselves into the story and see Uh, a spiritual sense uh, how these things are affecting themselves I think that um, it creates a really spiritual moment for people and something they'll remember for a long time they can really take away from Um, so hopefully this helped you guys as you think about preparing your lessons and gives you some direction going forward on um, what you can present and and gives the spirit an opportunity to talk with you and um, and hopefully teach you the things that would benefit your class. Thanks, guys.